0: AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I believe we have State Superintendent Jillian Bailow. Good morning, Jillian.
1: I am here, Doug. Good morning.
0: Thank you for calling in. We do appreciate it. I'm sure you have a busy schedule, and we appreciate you taking the time.
1: Hey, I'm a little bit nervous, because talk about uh, going from uh, the uh, oven to the frying pan. We're talking about Garth Brooks and CFD to school funding, not a... Not a
0: good act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we had some interesting developments this week. To say the least, the state legislature not able to come up with an agreement on a school funding plan. Um, the House had one set of uh, things they wanted to do. The Senate had another. Uh, one senator, in the, in the uh, Senator Charles Scott, I'll just say it, uh, said the House seemed to be a bunch of big spending liberals. They couldn't come to an agreement so basically nothing gets done where does this leave you folks
1: yeah you know this was a a week of really interesting conversations in the legislature and really over the last three months but i think the most important message for wyoming and and for all of us is to know that this is not solvable with one bill or one entity a lot of us need to work together um you know house bill 173 was uh, certainly the largest um, bill that garnered the most attention but there were a couple of other bills Uh, in particular there was a capcon or capital construction uh, bill that uh, failed and that would have taken the idea of local communities being able to pay for some of their capital construction to the voters as a constitutional amendment that failed and um, there there were just a couple of other smaller bills Uh, another one would have allowed school districts to save more money so that when they receive federal funding from covid relief, they could use that for general operations and save state funds for their own rainy day and uh, that didn't pass either Uh, so what we have are you know at least three failed bills this session and others from past session um, that just really don't get us a whole lot closer to a solution uh, to our structural deficit of over 300 million a year in school funding that's gonna hit us like a ton of bricks uh, within a couple of biennia.
0: Now my understanding is until we get something else in place they're basically gonna have to take roughly 300 million out of LISRA uh, to balance the books. Is that accurate?
1: That is accurate and that happens until our LISRA or what we also refer to as our rainy day account falls below a certain amount and um, and when it does then there's there's no more. Um, and that's that's great because we get to maintain funding for schools for longer. That's really bad because it gives everyone the perception that uh, we are more flush with funds than we are because we don't feel the effects of the deficit yet.
0: Are we facing a financial cliff at some point with this?
1: We absolutely are. Uh, you know, and again, we had the legislature, we see the governor, um, uh, you know, jumping into the fray now. Um, and, of course, the legislature is is uh, is clearly instilled with the authority and responsibility of funding schools across Wyoming, but the governor has um, interjected himself into the conversations as well. And um, school districts are at the table. I'm at the table. Um, it's going to take more than just one bill, one entity, to get this resolved. Um, and it may well take more than one session, but I felt like we were on a pretty good path this session and so it was disappointing to say the least uh, for legislators for the governor for school districts and for me to see those talks break down kind of at the 11th hour um, we'll keep working away you know we do have a special session coming up this summer and um, and I hope we, we have some um, you know some, some talks that have progressed where uh, beyond where they left off last week Uh, You know, one thing that really stands out now is that right now um, we have an influx of federal funding that's coming into the states. Uh, It's for COVID relief, but a lot of those COVID relief expenses overlap with regular spending in our schools. And so, uh, you know, what I was hoping for is that the legislature would provide some guidance on how to uh, best spend federal funds and save state funds. Um, but we really don't even have that anymore. So I'm hoping that that comes out of the special session and um, and I'm hoping that we can give school districts as an agency some guidance over how to do that over the next few months.
0: Jillian, I know the special session is designated to deal with the federal COVID money. Is there any chance at all that somebody might bring up a school funding bill to try and get this resolved during the special session, or can they even do that?
1: Well, I, I, I think that they can, and I don't know the legislative rules. I'm not a legislator, but um, I think they can if for no, no other reason than, um, you know, we're talking about two different pots of money, but we're talking about funding children's education. So there's some obvious overlap. Um, and, and there's, you know, the, the, the rules for federal education spending are much, much different than they are for the other COVID spending of federal funds. Um, where the legislature has some direct control. And so uh, over the next few months, my office will be working really hard with legislative leadership, with the governor's office, with school districts to really make sure that ducks are in a row before that special session so that uh, they can provide as much guidance as needed or as desired for school districts. But really, um, you know, that's that's maybe the, um, the biggest uh, that was missed in this uh, in this session is that school districts are sort of left saying okay so we're not making cuts we have this influx of federal funding coming in and um, and we really don't have a lot of guidance other than what the federal law says on how to spend that and school districts of course are going to make really great decisions at the local level um, but it would be really nice if we you know if during the well obviously not during the regular session but if during a special session there were some um you know some some additional guidance given to wyoming schools about how to spend federal fund, funding and how to save their state funding for later down the road to uh fill our structural gap of 300 million a year
0: so it sounds like you're hopeful that something in regard to education funding might come out of that even if it's just guidelines
1: yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, and I, I certainly was um, a partner in some of the conversations during the legislative session. And for that, I'm so grateful, you know, the collaboration with the, the governor's office and the legislature and the state superintendent, uh, as we know, historically, isn't always there. Um, it is now, and I'm really grateful to, to be at the table and be a partner in some of those conversations. And what I what I discovered is is that we have a lot more common ground Um, than disagreement and so I'm hoping uh, sort of as the temperature drops not literally but figuratively after um, after the legislative session that we can really focus on what that common ground is and it and it's really uh, you know identifying savings identifying reasonable reductions and um, and ensuring that that our school districts have adequate funds to uh, continue delivering world-class education to Wyoming students
0: Okay, I'm speaking with State Superintendent of Schools Jillian Balo. Jillian, as you alluded to, and I think most people are aware of at this point, the governor the other day uh, did make some comments about getting involved, but I, I, I'm not exactly clear on what he means by that. Do you know what he's planning to do? What, How would he be involved?
1: Yeah, you know, as I understand, and again, he had he had conversations this week about frontier days too, and he probably would rather talk about frontier days <laughs> and school funding also, <laughs> but um, but nonetheless, yeah, you know, it sounds like uh, the governor um, and and we haven't had uh, a recent conversation uh, about what the the news that he released this week. But really wanted to be a bigger part of the solution, and um, you know, this was a time for all hands on deck, and so I think that's great. Um, what uh, what I uh, from from what I understood, which is probably um, the same information that you have, and that's his um, his media conference that he held. Um, he'd like to go to the stakeholders and say how has education changed. What is critical to be funded at the state level, and I think that's an important conversation to have, regardless of our funding situation. But it's particular particularly salient uh, during this time. Um, you know the. Uh, of, of course, we've, we have that conversation nationwide. We've had it over the years, uh, but it's, it's important when we talk about school funding. Um, are we funding the right things? Last year during the legislative session, I asked the same question. As we went into recalibration and the legislature looked at recalibrating funding, I asked them to also look at um, recalibrating what it is students are expected to demonstrate and um, and know at the end of um, end of school, and um, and maybe we're right on target, but maybe we're not. We won't know until we really study that, and um, and we haven't for the better part of twenty five years.
2: MHPLLP.com. MHPLLP. An exceptional range of expertise. They know the territory. AM650 KGAB is everywhere you are. On your radio, <laughs> on your phone, with our free mobile app, and now Alexa. Listen to KGAB on Echo, DOT, and any Alexa device. Just download and enable the KGAB skill on the Alexa app. Then say Alexa, play KGAB. Now
3: listening to KGAB.
2: We'll even help with tech support. Go to KGAB kgab.com click on kgab on alexa and setup is easy from am 650 kgab
0: and you're in tune with am 650 kgab cheyenne's number one news talk radio station this is the weekend in wyoming program on the phone i have state superintendent jillian balo uh jillian i heard an interview that uh glenn woods did uh, during the week with representative chuck gray of casper of course well-known legislator Chuck came right out and said, I think we kicked the can down the road on school funding. Well, if that's true, I don't know that they can kick it past next year when the budget session takes place. I'd say there are some tough decisions that pretty much have to be made next year. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah, I think that's accurate, especially uh, as we um, think about uh, the decline of oil and gas and really the decimation of coal in our state. Um you know, we've had a political attack on fossil fuels that has had a direct impact on the amount of edu- uh, money that we have to fund education. And uh, you know, that, that that's a tough pill to swallow for all Wyomingites. Um, and particularly when that has to translate into really tough decisions about services for children and families and, and for education. Um, so you know, I'm I'm not gonna go so far as to say we're kicking the can down the road. Um, but but it is not a silver bullet solution or there's not one way to resolve this. Like I said, you know, everyone's kind of hanging their hat on House Bill 173, but we missed an opportunity to pass two other pieces of legislation that would have helped address it. It's all hands on deck, and it's going to be a multitude of, of um, you know, reductions and savings and leveraging funds in different ways. And, uh, and, and that conversation needs to be had and it needs to be serious and it needs to be ongoing. Um, I, I think it is, I, even though we didn't have past bills coming out of this legislature, um, the conversation moves on. We saw the governor come out two days later and begin talking about it. You know, here I am talking about it today. And, and of course the governor and I are partners in this. The legislature is, is uh, squarely responsible for making the, the tough decisions um, or passing the tough decisions, but uh, there are lots of hands on deck to help with uh, with solutions.
0: How much more difficult does this make long-term planning for our school districts, the uncertainty around long-term funding?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, midway through the legislative session we were seeing, um, or thinking that there would be a different outcome that, that included some cuts to the tune of $80 million and um some some prescriptive ways of spending federal dollars. and And again, uh, those didn't go through. But I think a lot of districts were planning to make um, appropriate cuts, uh, like the rest of the state has done. state government, um, you know, even local governments have made those those tough decisions, and school districts. I think we're we're gearing up to do that. and And the bottom line is that without past legislation, um, you know now they have to make a choice of do we cut voluntarily? or um even though there's not you know a a a bill that that is is telling us to do so or um you know do we keep status quo and then some because we have federal funding coming in so certainly school districts are faced with that situation right now but then thinking ahead to uh, to july when their budgets are set for the next school year if school funding is cut um, that's going to really put school districts in a pickle because they've already set their budget for the next school year, already done their hiring, they've got teachers on contract, they've got um, federal funds obligated. And so, yep, it poses some some significant challenges for school districts. But, you know, the best decisions are made at the local level by uh, locally elected boards, and and I I trust that they'll all take that into consideration and and really take – take steps and and maneuvers and and put strategies in place to deal with
0: that julian right here on my program earlier this year i had at least one prominent legislator and there may have been a couple who basically said they thought that another school uh, funding lawsuit was almost inevitable i would assume the current situation at least puts that on hold would i be right
1: well for for the near future doug i i think it does um you know uh as we look at really mending this uh, structural deficit down, down the road, um, I think that there are a couple of aspects that, uh, of, of school, our school funding model that are, are pretty ripe right for um, litigation. You know, capital construction is one, and sometimes we forget about that being part of the Campbell cases, but that absolutely is part of the Campbell cases. Funding school construction is a responsibility of the state. For years and years, we relied on uh, coal bonus or uh, coal bonus leases to fund school construction, and that is no longer. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I, I, again, I, you know, there was a piece of legislation that would have put that out to voters to see if we still want to um, consider that uh, as as funding um, alongside or equal to school operations or not. That I think was a, a great piece of legislation again it didn't pass but uh, you know that and a couple of other aspects of, of school funding um, may be ripe for litigation and that will be um, remains to be seen but yeah I think for the, the very near term um, that risk is is minimal for the next few months anyway
0: now pretty clearly looks like we're gonna have to pay, find another way to pay for, for building schools for capital construction any ideas what that might be
1: no ideas right now. Uh, you know, I think we're we're hanging our hat on um, rebuild or building uh, the few few schools that must be rebuilt, and relying on some major maintenance to take care of the rest. Um, but there is no identified revenue stream um, after Coley's bonus money is depleted for school construction.
0: Do you do you or your office take a stand on the idea of returning capital construction to being the responsibility of local schools?
1: Well, my office doesn't, uh, you know, my, the, the Wyoming Department of Information, um, provides lots of information but doesn't take a stance. Of course, as a, as an elected, um, official in Wyoming and one of the five constitutional officers, I do take a stand. And, um, and I think Wyoming ought to weigh in on that in the form of a ballot initiative that would amend our constitution, um, you know, or give Wyomingites the, um, the ability to weigh in via a ballot amendment on changing the constitution so that more of school construction was given to the local, um, local communities. And, and as it stands now, um, local communities are in essence uh, prohibited from raising capital for anything but enhancements for their school buildings.
0: And of course as I understood it the logic of the of the court ruling against that was well rich school districts can build more than poor school districts. Is that still a concern?
1: Yeah, you know there's definitely an equity issue um but but I think that there might be a hybrid, you know some districts have local communities entirely responsible for school construction. And I think there may be some kind of hybrid that would make sure that that wasn't an issue in Wyoming. And I think even beyond richer and um, poorer school districts, it would be, uh, you know, larger population bases with uh, more property tax revenue um, that would benefit, uh, you know, more than maybe our smaller districts. and i think we can take that into account going forward but i sure would like for the wyoming voters to have a say on that
0: see i think it's something that at least needs to be discussed and put out to the voters
1: yeah i, I agree you know anytime that we can we can put important decisions like that out to voters and and give them a first-hand voice um i want to do that in lieu of making a decision as an elected official um you know i i, I know we don't have too much time this morning but there's an awful lot of talk and focus on um, school funding, but Doug, I, w- I want to tell you, there were a couple of uh, great bills that passed this um, this session that, that I'm really excited about, and, and a lot of innovation that continues to happen despite this sort of looming uh, budget crisis in education. Um, in, in my time as an educator, I've never seen school choice uh, to the degree that it has uh, been this session talked about. And we even got a bill out of it uh, that expands the opportunity for more charter schools to come into Wyoming. And I'm really excited about what that means, not just for the bigger districts, but for the smaller districts, too. And I think that that will lead to some really great innovation in our state. And, and as a um, as as an educator and a parent in a Wyomingite who really supports uh, the opportunity for families to make decisions about their children's education. Uh, This couldn't come at a more vital time. Uh, You know, at the department, we continue to really focus on um, the lessons learned from COVID-19 and this new technology and connectivity that we have to enhance education. Uh, We're starting some K through three literacy initiatives uh, across the state that I'm excited about. Uh, We're getting ready to statewide implement computer science in K through 12. We're talking, um, you know, about how to just be more efficient with our assessments and our accountability system. And so I really am excited about all that's going on in education aside from this, you know, this dark cloud of school funding. Um, And I really want uh, Wyoming to know that, uh, that great things are happening in Wyoming classrooms and uh, that, that we continue to innovate in education despite funding.
0: Now, my understanding is, and, and I could be wrong because I'm, I'm, I i don't live there, frankly, but my understanding is Natrona County, for example, uh, has a pretty, um, oh, how can I put it, ha- gives parents a pretty good amount of choices on, on schools. Is that right?
1: Well, they do. You know, we have a handful of, of charter schools, which, by the way, are still uh, public schools. And we have a handful of those in um, in the state. Uh, you know, Laramie has two, and uh, they have uh, kind of both ends of the spectrum. They have a Montessori school, and then they have sort of a, a classical um, education academy. And of course, Cheyenne has one, and there are a couple of others in the state. And um, And I think that there's a, a really great opportunity to bring more charter school, more choice, within the public school system to Wyoming schools, or to Wyoming families. Natrona County does offer choice, and part of that is because they'll bus students to any school that the family wants their child to go to in the city. So that's really different than Cheyenne, right, where we have the triads, and depending on the neighborhood that you live in, you go to your neighborhood school, K through 12. Natrona says, if you want to go to a different school in the community we'll make sure that we get you there um you know i think that's a great concept of course logistically it's really challenging uh, for a lot of different reasons but um you know it's, it's allowed natrona county to really place emphasis uh, in different schools on different things and so families can make some choices within their public school system Okay. i like that we're
0: down to just a couple of minutes real briefly i did want to ask about covid uh, going forward how's that impacting our classrooms and where are we going with that
1: yeah well let me be clear i'm not making the rules about um about the health orders or uh, health and safety in schools um that is clearly in the, or definitely in the hands of um, the state health officer and the local health officers you've seen across the state we've had a, a number of school boards that have been, that have weighed in um, and done so with, um, with success most of the time. Uh, you know, I'm so proud of Wyoming schools and the state and local health officers um, who have continued to just keep, keep schools safe. We've become a national model. Um, you know, one last plug, uh, uh, CFD, I'm gonna throw that in there because it's exciting, but um, all of the state superintendents from across the nation are converging during frontier days in cheyenne this summer to learn our lessons about COVID, to uh learn uh you know from each other on our own experiences and to enjoy frontier days and so i think wyoming has a lot of lessons to learn but i'm really proud of us we've been in school from day one and we've kept kids safe and i know some days it's uh it is not very fun to send kids to school in uh, masks Um, but nonetheless, our schools have been a safe place for every child in Wyoming this year.
0: Jillian, unfortunately, we are out of time. Again, I want to thank you for for, uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to give us a call. We do appreciate it.
1: Hey, Doug, thanks so much for the opportunity. I'd love to come back.
0: Have a good weekend.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. We're coming up on 12 noon. The other side, will have the Master Gardener segment calling live from the Home and Garden Show right here in Cheyenne. AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I have Mike Heath calling in live from the Cheyenne Home and Garden Show. Good afternoon, Mike.
2: Good.
4: How the heck are you doing today? Good. How are yeah, you? doing
0: not it? How, how are you doing out there? How are, th- how are things out there? Are they busy? or how, how's yes, It's
4: wonderful. Yeah, yesterday was a little bit slow, and uh, this morning, boy, is picked up, and I can't talk to any other booths cause I hadn't had time to walk around today, but ours has been just constant, and there's three of us man in the booth.
0: And just for those who don't know, I'm speaking about the Cheyenne Home and Garden Show. It's going on today and then into tomorrow at the Cheyenne Ice and Events Center. Mike, Mike what are some of the displays out there today?
4: Well, I know that the Soil and Water Conservation District here uh, has a a booth, and Revive, the Lawn Products uh, Company out of Denver, is up here, and that's a wonderful product if you've never used it uh, for your lawns. Um, Let's see, there are several painters. There is a uh, Altitude Soaps is up here. Oh, gosh, if you've never seen the soaps that that young lady makes, oh, my gosh, they are work of art um uh, let's see uh wyoming beef is up here uh oh boy several uh, realty companies um construction companies bath companies landscape companies atr's here and they do some wonderful work to uh used them before when i was a contractor many years ago um oh gosh it's just loaded uh, Doug. Uh, people really need to come out and take a look around and see what's here and talk to the vendors. They, these are people that know their business.
0: Now, Mike, you're out there, are, are you doing the Master Gardener booth or what are you out there for?
4: I'm with the Master Gardener booth, um, and as people probably know, but I, just for those that don't, we're a part of the University of Wyoming system and uh, trained by the University of Wyoming, and we're available really to help people with their uh, horticultural issues which is any plant anytime um, here in the Laramie County area. Uh, there are, since I know you broadcast outside Laramie County, Master Gardeners uh, groups throughout the state. Almost every county has one.
0: And what are some of the things you're featuring at your booth?
4: Okay, we, we feature advice. We don't sell any products. Everything we do is free. Uh, that's part of our agreement with the university is they train us, and then we provide our services free of charge. Uh, we're answering a lot of questions. Um, right now, mostly what we're getting is questions on vegetable gardening, lawns, and uh, trees. I uh, did have one very interesting uh, question earlier about rabbits. Um, uh, Lynn was there and heard that one. We all had a little bit of a laugh because, uh, really, we have rabbits. A That's
0: lot of the rabbits. the way it is. Yeah.
4: And you're not going to get rid of them. Uh, But it turned out the folks had a new lawn they were trying to put in and the rabbits were eating it as fast as it came up.
0: So what's the solution to that, or is there one?
4: Protect the lawn. And and really, you just got to put a a short fence around it. They won't hop over a fence, Uh, so just a real short, chicken wire fence, something cheap, Uh, and they won't come through it.
0: Now, Mike, uh, we were chatting about uh, trees when we last spoke, and you had more to say on that subject.
4: Yeah, um, the part that we didn't get to, we talked about a lot about selection, and just to real quickly uh, remind people, when you're buying a tree, make sure it's a tree that grows here. So if you go to a big box store, before you purchase that tree, go back home, check it out online, and make sure it'll grow in Cheyenne or in Lennon County. Because um, a lot of them that they uh, carry, they're bought nationally, and therefore anywhere in the country, they don't grow here. So you spend a lot of money and put something in the ground you're going to dig up in a year or two. Uh, So check the tree out before you purchase it, and make sure that when you place it, select some place where it can actually grow, like don't put it next to your house, uh, don't put it under power lines, uh, things of that nature. And that's kind of what we talked about last week. What I wanted to cover this week, though, is how to actually plant a tree. And because there actually is a process, and if you don't do it right, you're going to be digging the tree up again in a couple of years because it just won't grow.
0: So what, um, should, what should people remember when it comes to planting a tree?
4: Okay, to begin with, there are several ways to buy trees. You can buy a uh, tree that's bound in burlap with wire, root balls. Uh, that all has to come off before you can plant the tree. Uh, you can buy trees in containers, pots. Uh, again, cut the pot off. Don't just pull the tree out, but cut the pot off, throw it away and then you'll have to unbind those roots. Sometimes, and not always, but if they're root bound and won't move, sometimes you actually have to cut the roots.
0: Is that, is that bad for the tree if you have to cut the roots?
4: No. It's oh, it's not, not. okay. But, but you've gotta be able to spread those roots out. If you don't, they're gonna keep going in that same uh, direction they're going in now. If it's in a container, they'll be growing in a circle. And they'll continue doing that and they'll just strangle themselves.
0: So they'll kill themselves and the, eventually. They'll die. Right, okay.
4: So just cut the roots. They'll start spreading out. You can bend them out gently uh, so they're no longer in a circle. Loosen the soil up a lot. Uh, I wish I could give you an exact distance, but three or four times at least the size of the root ball or the roots on the tree. Make sure the soil is loose around the tree and vertically as well. So those roots have a, way, a place to grow that's not going to just bind them up and trap them inside that soil. And there's also a bare root tree, which is what the Master Gardeners sell their bare root sale we talked about before. And that's actually the best way to buy a tree because the roots are already spread out. And it, you may be digging a hole that's three feet wide, but your roots are already spread out and ready to go on the ground.
0: So right you should look for the bare, the, the bare root tree if you can then.
4: If you can, they're they're really hard to find at a nursery. They're possible, but it's hard to find them. Uh, But that's the best way to get your trees.
0: Okay, go go ahead with more on on planting trees.
4: Okay, now after you get that, hole dug and do not amend the soil. The trees need the native soil, not some prepared soil they have to uh, feel real good about, and then all of a sudden hit this harsh environment as soon as they get into it. Uh, That also stresses the tree. Okay. Just use the regular soil. You don't have to fertilize trees. So you see all these tree spikes and things like that in the, uh, in the stores, you know, fertilize your tree, drive one of these in every year. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your time. Trees don't need fertilization.
0: Okay. I didn't know that to be honest. So,
4: yeah. And, and well, you know, it's, it's a business, you know, if you can sell something people will buy, sell it, uh, but it's unnecessary. Okay. It's not just going to hurt the tree but it's just a waste of money. Okay. Um, And then when you plant your tree, the first thing you gotta do is look at the trunk of the tree and you'll notice that right above the roots is gonna be a little bulge, a little flare, and then it goes up into the trunk. Now on a small tree, and I'm talking a tree maybe one to one and a half inches in diameter at the trunk right there, that flare might just be a couple of inches tall do not bury the flare that's got to be above ground so what you want is your ground level to be right at that crease between the roots and that flare on the trunk and that may mean someone holding the tree while you're filling in the dirt and packing it around the roots um, or just being very exacting in your hole but that flare cannot be buried it's going to choke out the tree if you do Trees need oxygen, and that level is where that tree is used to growing. And if you go any lower, it can't get to the oxygen. So you've got to make sure that's above ground, but you can't expose the roots either. So there's a very fine line right there to plant that tree. And once you get it planted, water it in, and you may need to put a little bit more dirt around it because the, water is going to settle, the dirt is going to settle the soil after you water it. So you may need to add a little bit more afterwards. And then you want to mulch the tree. Now, here, you can buy mulch at at any place, uh, and it's a real pretty single or double-grind mulch. It can be colored. It can be plain. And you'll replace it the next year, and you'll replace it the next year, and you'll replace it the next year because the wind just blows it away. If you want a real good mulch for this area... The Cheyenne Compost Facility on Windmill Road has what they call a single-grind mulch. And it's a very large mulch. It's only gone through the grinder once, and it will not blow away. Now, you may be picking limbs out of it, but it won't blow away. Okay. And give put that mulch in four to six inches. Don't mound it up on the tree and then you need to set up a watering system for your trees. Uh, The trees need a lot of water out here in uh, Laramie County, in Wyoming in general, and the way you measure that is 12 inches up from the ground, measure the diameter of the tree trunk, and trees need about 10 gallons of water for every inch of diameter at that point. That's every week.
0: Now, Mike, how often should you water? Should you give them one good watering or every day or does it matter? Every every week. Just just once a
4: week? Yep. Soak them good, let the water go down, and uh, then come back in a week and water them again. Now, the easiest way to do that is to put them on a drip system. And then you have to measure the water coming out of your drip system so you know how much it's producing. Um, I use a, a perforated poly pipe, and I just encircle the tree with it. And the nice thing about that is as the tree grows, you can just extend that pipe and add on to it uh, so that you can water further and further out. The roots on a tree, uh, traditionally the word's always been the roots extend as far as the edge of the limbs on the tree. And that And That's not true. Okay, That's a myth. The roots go a lot further out. They'll go almost three times that distance. So any water further out is also helping your tree, but you've also got to get water up next to the trunk and up to that, what we call a drip line, which is that line uh, perpendicular to the ground on the outside of those limbs. Okay. So that area needs to be watered really well. Now watering your lawn and expecting that to water the tree won't do it.
0: Okay. You've
4: got to specifically water the tree.
0: Mike, slightly off topic, but probably sort of related. How are we doing on our drought situation here?
4: Well, right now, uh, the last I saw, we're not in a drought yet, but it is anticipated. Okay. Um, I did talk to Don Day uh, at the uh, uh, ranch show, I think it's about a month ago, and he is still anticipating a severe drought this year. Um, he did have a little bit more information on it, though, and he says we should, if things continue the way they are and, and you never really know with the weather right if they continue where they are he expects to start seeing moisture coming back around the end of august uh early september but we also may very well miss the july monsoon season this year
0: really oh that's unusual yeah.
4: and or it could be decreased anyway but it says it's not looking good
0: mike uh, d- does a drought situation impact how often you water your tree or not
4: Well, as long as you keep after it, you're okay. Okay. But you can't let them go because the drought situation, having no natural water is going to, of course, decrease the amount of water in the soil. Okay. Um, But if you're still watering once a week, religiously and, and not missing weeks, you should still be fine. Okay. That goes for gardens and flower beds and everything else too.
0: AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I have Mike Heath with the Master Gardener Program. We've been talking about planting trees. Mike, was there more you wanted to tell people about planting
4: trees? Well, I think we've actually covered planting trees, um, which is actually an extension of last week's uh, program. Um, But I want folks to understand that we are there to help. That's what our whole objective is with the Master Gardeners. Uh, Like I say, we're with the university, and we're here for gardening questions. Now, gardening doesn't necessarily mean your vegetables or your flower beds, but lawn issues, if you have issues with trees you think uh, might be diseased or you're having problems growing trees, things of that nature, uh, we're here. And all you have to do is contact us at lcmg.org. And uh, there's a contact us button on the page and we'll get that uh, question that you have out to the membership. There's about a hundred of us and somebody is going to be able to answer your question. And if we can't answer it, we've got contacts at both uh, Colorado state university and university of Wyoming that we'll be able to answer. Them.
0: What are some of the more common questions you get?
4: Well, a lot of it depends on the time of year and, and right now, The main question we're getting is on lawns. Of course, the grass is just starting to green up, and uh, so people are starting to think lawns, uh, mowing, and taking care of your lawns and such. And we're getting a lot of those questions, especially here at the Home and Garden Show. That's probably been about half of the questions we've uh, taken in. And right now, in fact, Sunday and Monday, will be the perfect time to fertilize your, your yard. Uh, with the snow coming in Tuesday, man, let the snow water it in. Uh, but you only want to fertilize your yard once a year, and that's right at the beginning of the uh, growing season. Uh, so many of the uh, fertilizer companies will tell you, fertilize it throughout the summer. Well, it's not necessary. One good fertilization early in the year that'll carry you through the summer and you actually want your grass toward the end of the summer to start going dormant by itself. Okay. If you continue fertilizing, you're telling that grass, it's time to keep growing. It don't stop. Well, all of a sudden we're going to have a hard freeze. You're going to kill that grass because it's not ready for it. Mm -hmm. So towards the end of summer, and I'm talking like the latter half of August uh, to the end of August, back off when you're watering in your lawns and once you fertilize early in the year don't do it again and let that grass start growing dormant it'll turn brown that's fine it's supposed to but let it do it gradually rather than just overnight having to essentially die off because that's what you're doing to it you're, you're killing off parts of your lawn um, it'll give it that opportunity to be natural
0: Okay, I'm speaking with Mike Heath with the Master Gardener Program. By the way, if you have any questions or comments, uh, we do have an open phone line at 632 That's 632 Mike, you do have a plant sale coming up you wanted to tell people about. Is that right?
4: We do. And that's on May 8th. I'm going to be at the Archer Event Center. And this is a plant sale that we've had now for almost 20 years. And all of the plants are native to this area or they will grow in this area. Um, So you're not walking into something that you don't know anything about. Most of them are grown by Master Gardeners. And those that are cuttings or seedlings a lot of times have come out of our own gardens. So we know they grow here. And the neat thing this year, we are going to be live. Uh, You don't have to buy your plants online like we had to do last year and then just pick them up at the door and hope they're exactly what you asked for. Uh, You can actually go through, browse the plants, pick the ones out that you want, and and take them home with you. We're gonna have a virtual uh, component of that. Some plants are ready now, and you'll be able to go online to our website and choose those plants and pick them up directly from the grower and not have to go to the uh, Archer Event Center. And uh, some people are still concerned about COVID, and they don't want to go to large events like that because it will be a large event. Mm -hmm. And if you can pick it up from the grower, it's a one-on-one contact versus a one-on-300 contact. And and that's okay too. Uh, So we're making that available for those people that want that particular venue.
0: So it just depends what you're comfortable with.
4: Exactly. And that's a personal thing. Uh, If you're more comfortable getting a a little bit early from the uh, grower, that's fine. We're happy to do it. If you want to wait and browse the plants later, that's okay too. Feel free to come out. We'd love to see people out there. It's uh, been quite a social event for Cheyenne for a number of years, as well as a plant sale.
0: So how many many plants will you have for sale?
4: Well, I know there's going to be about 3,500 commercial plants that we uh, buy from one of the wholesale nurseries in Colorado. And uh, oh gosh, we have one lady that routinely brings out about 800 plants that she's uh, propagated herself. And I'm doing about 200 to 300 that I'll be bringing out. But there's 100 of us. And so there's a lot of plants.
0: Now, are these all plants that will do well in our climate or not necessarily?
4: Oh, exactly. Um, we do very few house plants. There are some. But most of our plants go outdoors and they do well here. And uh, that's one of the big draws of the plant sale is everything that we put into it is uh, is able to grow and will thrive in Laramie County.
0: Mike, when people are going to a plant sale like this, when they're considering making a purchase, what are some things they should think about or some questions they should ask?
4: Well, if you're looking at a particular plant, well, first you want to know what you want, what your purpose is for that plant.
0: Because mm-hmm.
4: okay, we're going to have everything from vegetables to perennial flowers, some annual flowers. We'll have a few trees there. Uh, almost anything you want. Um, You want to know what it is that you're after, what your purpose is for it. And the first question you're going to want to ask is, on most plants, does it need sun or shade? Because your placement is a big deal, too. If you put a plant that's got to have full sun in a shady area, it's not going to thrive. It may grow, but it's not going to thrive. Um, And there, again, if you put a plant in a a sunny area that needs shade, the same thing is going to happen. But you also want to know, in the case of vegetables in particular, what kind of soil does it need and how much water do they need. And we'll have master gardeners there that you can talk to about all these things. And there will be people that are specialists in the area that the plants are in. Mm -hmm. For example, I'll be running the vegetable uh, side of it, and I'll be there all day Saturday on the 8th. Uh, So folks can ask me whatever they know. I'm not saying I'm gonna know the answer, but I do have the resources I can get an answer for them. Okay. And and then we've got people just all over the plant sale uh, with different expertises.
0: Mike, it looks like we have a caller. Good afternoon, caller, you're on the air.
3: Hi, Doug. It's Christy with UW Extension.
0: How are you? Oh, good. Just hang on the line here for a couple minutes, Christy, or else you can call back if you wish. It'll be about four minutes before we're on yet. So. Okay.
3: Thanks.
0: Thank you. Mm, bye-bye. Bye. So, Mike, go ahead.
4: Um, you know, we have, uh, well, Steve Johnson is going to run the tomato area. When we were live two years ago. We had 135 different varieties of tomatoes at the plant sale. Now that's not plants, that's varieties. Mm-hmm. And so anything you want on tomatoes, uh, we've got it. And these are plants that are already started and they can be anywhere from six inches tall and gosh, the ones I brought out were almost three feet tall mm-hmm. by the time the plants that happened two years ago. Uh, but Steve is probably one of the areas leading experts in tomatoes. Anything you want to ask him about a tomato plant uh, he's going to have the answer for you. He is really sharp, and that's just the quality of the people that we have here. Uh, we've got some members that'll be out there working whose family has been in the nursery business for generations, um, and have been around. They've been around the nurseries nursery industry. Um, we just got a lot of smart people in the group.
0: Mike, we're down to less than a minute left. Any quick last thoughts for our audience?
4: Uh, come out to the Home and Garden Show join us out here. Uh, I'm going to be here the whole time. Come up. I'd love to meet you and come out to the plant sale on May 8th. Uh, we really want to see the public. We like talking to the public. And Any questions you have, bring them with you or contact us on the uh, our website lcmg.org.
0: Okay, I'd like to thank my guest on this segment. We've been speaking with Mike Heath from the Master Gardener Program. Go out to the Home and Garden Show and say hi to Mike. It's happening right now at the Ice and Event Center. Thanks, Mike. Have a good weekend. You too, Doug. AM 650 KGAB. Just ahead, we'll have Christy Nagel talk the Laramie County 4-H program. That's the other side of the bottom of the hour break. Just ahead, right here. AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio program, or radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Christy Nagel with the Laramie County 4-H program. Good afternoon, Christy. Hi, Doug, how are you? You're doing well. How about yourself?
3: Great, thanks.
0: First of all, for those who don't know, and I think most people have heard of it, but some people may not know, what is the 4-H program? Um, the 4-H program is
3: one of the largest out-of-school Um, activities that youth can do here um, in Laramie County and across the nation. Uh, We do a lot of community service work. The kids work on different projects. um, And then it's really focused on the learning that they're doing um, while they're doing those projects. That project could run from youth leadership to different livestock projects, market animals. Um, It could be knitting. It could be sports fishing. It could be visual art. So it runs kind of the whole gamut.
0: Now, my perception, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, correct me if I'm wrong, my perception is it tends to be uh, sort of semi affiliated with agriculture. Is that right or is that not correct?
3: Um, it started out um, affiliated with agriculture, but so it's really kind of morphed into agriculture in addition to other things. Okay. So. It, like I said, the kids can do sports fishing. We have one of the um, largest shooting sports programs um, in several surrounding counties. Um, currently, we have 336 youth shooting sports um, participants in this county alone. So it's different things um, in addition to the agricultural piece. How many
0: members do you have of the local 4-H program?
3: Currently, we have about 547 members.
0: So, quite a few, then. Yes. Is that spread all across Laramie County, or is it just one big chapter, or how does that work?
3: It is um, spread all the way across Laramie County. When a youth um, enrolls in 4-H, they get to choose a club that traditionally is close to them, or their friends are in that type of thing, and they work on club work. So that's learning how to be good leaders. Um, they practice parliamentary procedures in their clubs, they do community service, they do educational opportunities through their clubs, and then they have additional things that they can participate in. Um, shooting sports, they can do photography workshops out of that, they can do wool judging and livestock skills on and livestock judging, just different things that are kind of offshoots off of that, and then um, they stay in their traditional club for community service activities and those type of things.
0: So how many clubs are there across the county?
3: 23.
0: Oh wow, quite a few then. hmm Some of those are based right here in Cheyenne, I would assume.
3: Yes, we have um, quite a few that are based right here in Cheyenne. They meet in different areas around Cheyenne. Um, we have quite a few that meet out at the Archer Complex in the MNK building. We have quite a few that meet here at C. Um, we have some that meet out in Pine Bluff and in Burns and in Carpenter. We have some that meet up by Kirk Gowdy. Um, so they're kind of spread out all over so that it makes it easier for parents when they're having to transport children to club meetings. They're not having to drive a really long way to do those things.
0: Now, what, what, are, the, what, are, the, um, what are the membership requirements? What ages are we talking about? How does that all work?
3: Sure, um, we start with our clover buds. They're actually five to seven years old. And they do a once a month activity with um, just kind of focusing on different projects. project areas, get them really excited about 4-H. And then our junior members or our traditional members, so they can participate in all projects from shooting sports to any of your livestock projects. They start from 8 to 10. Our intermediate members are 11 to 13. And our senior members are 14 to 18.
0: And is it too late in the school year to sign up, or, or do you have to do that at the start of the year? Can you do that anytime?
3: The 4-H year actually runs October one to September thirtieth, and we have open enrollment, so they can enroll any time throughout that period of time. Um, but there are deadlines that have passed, so they would have to choose different activities because those deadlines have passed. So. For example, all of the shooting sports um, have started for the year because the kids are required to take an orientation, and all of those orientations have passed. Another example would be market beef. Um, There's an ownership deadline for a market beef, and that ownership deadline has passed.
0: Now, do you you folks have any particular uh, relationship with the county fair? Because I would assume things like market beef would, would be very amenable to what the fair does.
3: Yes, we actually work very closely with the fair. Um, there's a youth program out there. I guess a youth youth shows. Um, we have our FFA shows, and then we have our 4-H shows. Most of the youth that are in 4-H um, are also in FFA, so it's a big crossover. And we work very collaboratively, collaboratively, excuse me, with those two organizations um, to make sure that we are putting together the best fair that we can for our youth this year. Take a look at Cheyenne Restaurant Week.com. We'll see you at Restaurant Week. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your
1: lunch break at AmericaLet'sDoLunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
0: AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Christy Nagel with the Laramie County 4-H program. Christy, in the uh, email you sent me, you did have a couple of uh, specific topics you wanted to hit. One was the upcoming calendar of events. Tell us about that.
3: Sure. Um, We've got our main fundraiser for the year, our Benefit Bash, coming up on April 24th. Traditionally, we've done kind of a carnival-type atmosphere, um, but due to the pandemic, we want to make sure that we're keeping people safe. So we are actually just selling tickets for raffle baskets and a half of a processed gear. Um, And all of those proceeds come back into Laramie County 4-H. The different clubs throughout the community get a portion of that to put back into club activities, Um, educational activities during their club, those type of things. And then the additional portion comes back to the um, Laramie County 4-H program as a whole. And we put that back into youth scholarships, day camp and different workshops and clinics. So that will um, happening April 24th um, and you can watch it on Facebook Live from 2 till 4.30 and on our facebook page beginning next week there'll be a list of the different baskets the time that they'll be drawn so if you don't want to watch the whole event you can come and watch for your specific basket if you've purchased tickets for that basket Um, and then tickets are available to be purchased online as well
0: now you also have some military events is that right
3: yes we do April is the celebration, the month of April is celebration for the month of the military child. So we have Purple Up Day coming up on April 15th. And we want everybody out in the community to wear their purple to celebrate our military youth. And they can, you can take pictures of yourself um, with your families or with your office mates and send them. Um, text them to 307-222-9336 and we'll get those pictures posted up on our Facebook page and you'll be entered into a drawing for some prizes. And then we also have the Month of the Military Family Carnival that we are working with the Army National Guard folks to put on collaboratively here at LCCC um, in the on the fourth floor of the Pathfinder building on Thursday, April 29th, from 6.30 to 8. So any military family in the community, whether they are with 4-H or not, are more than welcome to come and kind of enjoy that event and eat some refreshments and win some prizes.
0: And uh, were there any other upcoming events you wanted to talk about?
3: Uh, We do also have our Fun and Fuzzy Horse Show that the 4-H youth will be partaking in, but folks are more than welcome to come and observe and watch. It's going to be a fun event. We will be doing that on Saturday, April 24th um, in the LCCC Ag Arena. Some of the classes the kids will be doing with their horses are Costume Showmanship, um, Buddy Western Pleasure, and Ride a Buck Equitation.
0: Now, uh, you said your year goes from, I believe, October 1st to September 31st. Do you guys stay active in the summertime when school's not in session or not?
3: We do. We do a lot of activities during that time, clinics and workshops, um, county shoot. The kids, um, that's the culminating, culminating, wow, um, event for all of our kids that have been practicing shooting sports, so they'll be doing county shoot and then they can go on and do um, state shoot in Douglas and compete with kids all across the state. We also have um, a county contest that's called Gold Rush, and that ex- um, kind of helps the kids practice for a state contest that comes up later in the month, and that is going to be, you know, some practice cake decorating contests. They're gonna be doing impromptu and um, prepared speech contests, table setting, um, those types of things to get those kids really geared up and ready for that competition environment that happens at a state level as well in June.
0: Now tell us about the state 4-H convention.
3: Sure. Um, we actually do here in, there are five counties in our area and we are getting ready to do a district leader convention in Albany County is hosting this year. So any of our 4-H um Intermediate and senior youth as well as our adults um, can then go to Albany County and take part in some of those leadership activities. They will be um, talking about how to lead club meetings um, because our youth are all the leaders of our clubs. Uh, We have youth officers in all of our clubs and they are responsible for planning and leading those meetings so that, um, that leadership event will help them learn those skills that they need. Um, It will also help our leaders um, get some of the other skills um, that they are working on as far as um, giving them some opportunities to practice some conflict management, um, how to make club meetings fun, those type of things.
0: Now, Christy, do you guys have a a local website where people can find out more?
3: We do, we have um, Laramie County 4-H is our website and it has lots of different activity or different information about 4-H as well as our Facebook page. And that's Laramie County 4-H as well. And you can always call into our office and um, ask any questions if, you know, you see something posted out in the community and you're like, hey, this looks like fun. How do I get involved in this? You can always call into our office here at the extension office and ask um, Brittany Newland who will answer the phone, or Joan Schaefer Poach, and they will answer all those questions for you.
0: Christy, was there there more you wanted to talk about, or does that mostly cover it for this week?
3: Um, Actually, I wanted to just kind of let everybody know that we're always looking for volunteers as well. Um, Right now, we have some um, fair superintendent positions that we're looking to fill. Um, Those folks really help us with our judging, our kids do interview judging out at Laramie County Fair. So they sit with the judge and they talk about their project and the things that they learned um, through their project. And our fair superintendents help us out there with doing some clerking during that event. Um, They help us um, display projects for the week, that type of thing. Um, And we have several of those open. WE DO um, SOMETIMES ASK THAT THOSE FOLKS DO SOME PROJECT WORK THROUGHOUT THE YEAR AS WELL IF THEY HAVE THAT SKILL SET. AND THEN WE ARE ALSO ALWAYS LOOKING FOR PROJECT LEADERS AND CLUB LEADERS AND ASSISTANT CLUB LEADERS. Um, PROJECT LEADERS REALLY, IT'S THOSE FOLKS IN THE COMMUNITY THAT HAVE SOME REALLY, YOU KNOW, THEY'RE REALLY EXCITED ABOUT SOME OF THE THINGS AND SOME OF THE hobbies THAT THEY'RE DOING IN THEIR OWN LIVES AND THEY'D LIKE TO SHARE THOSE WITH THE KIDS. WE'D REALLY LIKE TO GET THOSE FOLKS in and get the kids excited about some of those things and really kind of work collaboratively with those volunteers. Christy, what
0: led you to get involved with 4-H? Were you in 4-H as a kid or what?
3: I was not actually. I was born and raised in the Denver area and I was not involved in 4-H. My family and I moved up here about six years ago and I just thought it would be a fun opportunity when um, the job posting came out And I worked as the Office Administrative Assistant for a while and moved up into the educator position. And I just love um, sharing my passion about the program with um, the families in our programs and other people in the community.
0: Okay, does that pretty much cover it for this week?
3: It does. Thanks, Doug, for your time. I really appreciate it.
0: And this is something we'll be doing once a month from now on on Weekend in Wyoming.
3: Thanks, Christy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: You're listening to Cheyenne's news and talk station, AM650, KGAB, Orchard Valley,
4: Cheyenne, a town square media station.
0: AM650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. We have just a few minutes left. I think what I'll do right now is play part of an interview that Glenn Woods conducted uh, this past week with Representative chuck gray on the recent legislative session
2: casper representative in the wyoming house chuck gray chuck i made sure to pick a picture of you that was your absolute best hair day ever so if people want to watch the Thank show you you're looking good there before we get into why you're on this morning there's a couple of topics i actually want to talk to you about how just overall do you think this wyoming legislative session has gone because it looks like there was a lot accomplished believe it or not
5: well a couple things i'm i'm very glad glenn that we got the voter id bill done that was that was huge we got some pro-life wins
4: right
5: that uh we completed in this session but really we weren't able to have a, a discussion on the expenditure issues in our state and the need right. for real reductions that the, the the federal stimulus funds the funny money that they're printing the passage of that really prevented that discussion from happening because okay. of some of the provisions in there about taking the funds and how what how many reductions an entity can achieve if the funds are taken. And I, I didn't really agree with allowing the federal government to hijack that discussion, but unfortunately it did. Okay. Um, so that's kind of kind of what happened in this session. It looks like we stopped the tax increase narrative again. There's one more bill out there where there was an amendment on the House side to put in a half a percent sales tax. The conference committee on that has yet to be finalized, but we are hopeful that 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 is going to be taken out because it was in the Senate. That that will be taken out in the conference committee, and that we will again have stopped tax increases.
2: Okay, that was so
5: one other win. In this, in I want session. to
2: make sure to schedule between you and Miss Mary. She is the keeper of the books after all to have you on to talk more in depth about some of those issues and get some other representatives on let's go to that voter id bill because around the country if uh, someone passes a voter id that's considered as a, a racist thing and here in the state of wyoming some would even question we don't have those kinds of problems that let's say georgia would have so why even have a voter id so why have voter id in the state of wyoming at all
5: well, Glenn, an individual's right to vote is sacred, and and this legislation, it, it safeguards our election from criminals who wouldn't be eligible eligible to vote within our state who would try to vote, and Wyoming's elections with this law are now more secure, and this is a major victory. I mean, this has been tried—you look at, at our legislative site, it has the, the records over the last 20 years. It's been tried— Fourteen, fifteen 15 times over the last 20 years and you know I've been working on it about 3 years but i just so happy we were able to get this through, the timing was right and we need to build, we need to safeguard our elections. and right. so I'm, I'm glad that, that this, this, this passed, it was okay. a big moment So you state. had to
2: come up with a few details like to make sure uh, tribes have some of their own ID and there were a few other things like that that you had to work out didn't you?
5: Yeah, there were a number of amendments on the House and Senate side uh, to allow uh, some identification that I wasn't thrilled about, the UW card I wasn't thrilled about, but that, that was added on. And it, it was just part of the process, and it, it, the, the clerks did want that, that UW card to be allowed uh, this is, for purposes of identification, not registration.
2: What about uh, those people who are voting absentee? How does it work for them?
5: This piece of legislation does not handle absentee voting. So the procedure for absentee voting will not change unless you're voting early Mm -hmm. at the county courthouse or at what's called a quote-unquote absentee polling site. It's a little bit of an inconsistency in our statute. But, But if you're voting early in person, then you will be required to show a photo ID if you're voting in person on election day. The absentee issue is is one I think we need to handle. Georgia looked at that, and and because it's been a huge issue there, and I, I do think in the future we need to we need to handle that as well.
2: Okay. Do you, do you worry about any kind of boycotts like Georgia has because of something like this?
4: Well, what if, is they, if boycott, they try to really? cancel
5: us, then yeah. then we're going to take it on. Okay. And and we should take it on. We we cannot give in to this woke left mob
2: okay so this works in what way what about when i go to register to vote do i have to show an id then
5: yes right okay. now that's already in rules well state statute requires that and then it's actually and this is something we i think we need to fix too it's actually sort of delegated to the secretary of state to write a rule right. on what's allowed uh, to be used for identification for purposes of registration. Okay. Now, what ended up happening is the identification statute ended up mirroring the current rule for the most part. The Secretary of State does not want any huge bifurcations, which which I can understand, but I think we also need to bring that into statute and as, as we see how the list of acceptable IDs work, uh, continue to review that.
2: So let me understand this then. It was already a rule that if I went to register to vote, I had to show an ID. But when I went to actually vote, I didn't.
5: Yeah, registration is different from identification. So if you're if you're if you're registering, identification was required, and this was part of. I mean, every year when there was an election, I would get call after call, text after text about why on earth did.
0: AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Good to have you along here on a Saturday. That'll wrap it up for the Weekend in Wyoming program for this week. Thank you for joining us. Of course, we'll be back again next week with the Weekend in Wyoming program from 11 to 1 on Saturdays. And I'd like to thank all of our guests today. Of course, we'll do it all again next week. Great weekend. Enjoy the weekend. Check out the Cheyenne Home and Garden Show at the Ice and Events Center. If you haven't been out there, I'm sure it's well worth a trip out there. That's going on right now. And we'll be happening again on Sunday. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us. You're in tune with radio station AM650 KGAB, Cheyenne Orchard Valley. It's 1 o'clock.